to invite Deb up now. Deb, I haven't seen you for a while, so I'm not quite sure what you've been up to. So can you just let everyone know quickly? Oh, I've been alive. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm still in Canberra. I'm, uh, last year I was working at two churches, a Baptist church and a Pentecostal church, uh, Mosaic Baptist. Does anyone know those guys out there? So I was hanging out with them, doing some creative directing with, for the year with them, um, half of my time, and the other half of my time was at Life Unlimited Church, helping them with their training and equipping arm of the church, the college. And so this year I've stepped into a full-time role with them and I look after the different pastoral staff that, that do discipleship, um, like the, the uh, generations, uh, men's, women's, small groups, new Christians and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, we'll just pray for you as you start. Lord, I thank you for Deb. I thank you for her willingness to come today to speak to us. I pray that our hearts and minds and souls will be open to the message that you have through her, through your Holy Spirit. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Deb. Double Deb for your morning. How good's that? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I'm just so excited to be back here. It's so great to. Um, I, I just when I walked in the the room, I just felt like there's such a a warmth in this place, um, an even greater warmth than there was the last time I was here, probably about two years ago, um, and a, a cohesion, a unity amongst you guys, and. Yeah, I guess that's what the Lord's been up to it, it, while I've been away. Um, so, yeah, just to commend you in that. And uh, I, I wanted to share a couple of stories um, of what the Lord's been up to just um, in my little church family um, uh, in Charnwood, um, the ghetto of Canberra, and uh, <laughs> and to encourage you that uh, of what the Lord's doing. I kind of felt like doing a bit of a Paul moment, like writing you a letter, but be, in, being in person, um, just to share you some stories of, of the Lord at work and... Um, yeah, so a couple of things have been happening for us. Uh, we've just been feeling like the Lord has kind of reawoken the, the gifts of the Spirit within our church um, and, and kind of asking us to focus on that in this season. And uh, so uh, a whole bunch of very ordinary people are feeling like they need to press in to a supernatural God a little bit more. And, um, and so that's affected our church in a few different ways, but here are some stories from that. The first one was uh, from a lovely lady called Vanessa. She's a lovely Spanish lady that comes to our church and uh, she was sitting in our women's conference and we had a guest speaker come out all the way from Bethel Church and um, uh, who's got an incredible healing ministry and everything. And while she was talking, uh, Vanessa, who has suffered from migraines since the birth of her first child, got a migraine in the middle of the talk and it just got worse and worse and worse. She sat down. And uh, this guest speaker um, kind of said, you know, does anyone need healing? And uh, and as soon as she said that, uh, Vanessa's like, yeah, I need healing. But it got worse when she when she said that and declared that. And uh, and it just got worse as people prayed for her. Um, and she thought, I'm just going to sit down and and actually I want to just go home because I feel so sick. And uh, one of our team, just normal everyday person went past Vanessa, noticed that she had her head in her hands and asked a question instead of walking past her, just asked the question, how are you going? And she said, I'm not going great. I feel like my head is just exploding. And so uh, this, this person just gave her a big hug and prayed right then and there, Lord God, I just pray that these migraine, this headache would go away in the name of Jesus. And instantly it just went. 
breakfast instantly. And amazingly, two months since then, she normally gets, monthly, she'll get these migraines. And it's been two months since then, and she hasn't had a migraine since. How cool is that? Just the, the responsiveness of someone just noticing when someone says, I'm sick or I'm not okay or head, head resting in hands and they just prayed and, um, and the Lord healed her. The second one was, uh, we've been running Alpha. Do you guys know Alpha? Great. Um, we love Alpha. We run Alpha in small groups. So we've got one Alpha running in a government department at the moment in the coffee shop at the bottom of the government department. And we've got another one running in a life group, at a small group at the moment. And uh, one of the guys that leads that, um, that, that group, his name's Charles, he just prays before he goes to his group. And Lord, is there anything that you want to do? Is there someone specific to, to minister to when I go um, today? Very simple question we could all ask when we go to our Bible study each week, hey? Um, so he asked that question. We can ask it on the way to church even. Um, and so he asked that question and um, he just felt like he had a bit of pain in his back and he doesn't suffer from back pain. So when he rocked up at, at the, um, the life group uh, for Alpha, he just asked at the end of the Alpha course, hey guys, is there anyone with, that's experiencing back pain? There was someone there and they, that had back pain. They got prayed for and they were 90% feeling better after that. And then he went home and uh, he was telling his son about the Alpha that he'd just come from and, and, and praying for that person that had received significant healing. And uh, his son said, oh, I've, Dad, that's my back pain. I've got pain. Can you pray for me? And the Lord healed him 100% right then and there. I love it how like God just does contagious things like that. And uh, the last story, um, which is really special, is this beautiful lady called Lucy, who's a Spanish, uh, kind of a Spanish grandma in our family um, at church. And she uh, has been having experiencing deafness in her left ear, like completely deaf, couldn't hear. Is that my left? Is that my left? Right. That one, in this one. Um, <laughs> and she'd been experiencing deafness in her left ear uh, and like her whole life, right? And so she was going, she'd gone to the doctors, gone to get an MRI and, uh, it, and, it, and it wasn't looking great. And so she um, felt like the Lord had asked her to, to go chase after him for healing. And so um, she's only a really recent Christian in our church family. And so she went, she went to our Spanish service and a whole bunch of people got around her and prayed for her. Um, nothing really seemed to happen in that moment. She went home. She listened to this Spanish worship song, which says that Jesus is our healer. And she'd lay hands on her own ear night after night and just worship the Lord and just declare that he's a healer. And uh, came to an evening service where, again, we were talking about the gift of healing and that Jesus loves to heal and put her hand on her, on her ear and prayed for herself and God opened her ear and she could hear 100%. She went back to the doctor. The doctor didn't believe that she was healed because it's not possible <laughs> medically, um, biologically, it's not possible and because of the type of deafness she had experienced. And she went back and the doctor's like, I don't believe this. So he, he sent her off to get another MRI and another, like two tests to go check it out. 
She went and got it checked out, and I've seen the medical report that says there is no. Not only is, is her hearing a hundred percent clear, it is. There's also no scarring from the deafness that she's experienced in her ear. There's no like no trace of that that deafness in there. Um, and if that wasn't enough, to top it off, um, this beautiful lady, she's, as I said, Spanish, um, she, she was saying, having a conversation to the Lord saying, look, Lord, I, I, what much point is it being able to hear and to sit in our Sunday service, not the Spanish service, which is in Spanish, but in the Sunday service and have great preaching but not actually be able to understand? What good, what good is that if I've got an ear and I can't even understand? And the Lord gave her the gift of understanding. So now... She can actually understand English on a Sunday. <laughs> so she can not only hear, but she can understand. And I love that about our Jesus. When he heals us, he goes above and beyond what we expected him to do, what we even asked for him to do. Um, so I hope, I hope that encourages you, that the Lord is alive and well and active. So, Are you encouraged? Good, good. As we were driving here and... Um, I just felt like um, there were a couple of things that the Lord wanted to encourage you specifically before we kind of get into the word more deeply. But um, one of the things, uh, one of our team said uh, just on the drive here, they, they really sense that you guys are the faithful ones. You, you don't seek after the signs and wonders, but you seek after the heart of Jesus. And we just want to encourage you in that, that you are faithful in pursuing his character and nature. Um, it's not that you're not welcoming the signs and wonders of Jesus, but you, you actually don't, you don't require them because you're so steady in your following of him. And to encourage you that the Lord would, would tell us that on the way here and they don't even know you. Um, and uh, the, the, the thing I uh, sensed as well was that I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you um, that the next kind of season would be a season of baptism for you um, and that there'd be a lot more people making decisions to get baptized, to get fully immersed and, and follow that, that command of obedience to Jesus' instruction. Um, maybe in the Yass River, maybe you've got another <laughs> horse trough. I got baptized in a horse trough. Um, and uh, and that, that as, as you uh, baptize more people and they share their story of restoration, that there's going to be this kind of cycle of more people wanting to be baptized because of the restoration that they'll receive from Jesus and it will kind of keep feeding into itself. So I'll let that sit with you. Um, but I, I just, I just, I've been praying that that would happen in this place, that you'd see many people make decisions to get baptized and, and declare publicly their faith in Jesus. Okay, so from the word, are you ready? Mark 1, the leper. Okay, there's a couple of things I want to unpack from this story today. Uh, the first one is that the lepers approach. So there's this leper that comes along to Jesus, and he is leprous. That's what I'm going to tell you about the leprosy. It's gross. It's all over his body. It's, a, it's, it's affected the, the major organ in the body, his skin. It's all over him. People would have thought, ooh, this is disgusting. Um, this is uh, unclean. This is filthy. This, this means that you're now excluded from society. You, you, you can't actually be in our community because we don't want to get unclean because of you. Because there was incredible Israelite law that actually was meant to restore people, um, but meant that you had to go outside of the, the community in order to heal. And so this guy is packed with shame. 
He's packed with um, feeling excluded. He's packed with feeling of re- feelings of rejection. He's physically uncomfortable because if you've ever had a burn on your skin, who's burnt themselves on the pot or pan and you're like, that hurts for days and it was like a centimetre. Um, and it, But he had this all over his body, this disease that was eating at his skin. And he would have felt so isolated and alone. The first thing that we can learn from this story is that the leper actually came. He came to Jesus. There's no reason for this guy to actually come along and be with Jesus. Why? Because he hadn't been healed yet. So why would he be healed now? He'd had it all his life. So, But he came and did a really brave thing of coming to Jesus. He didn't just come, he came imploring. Other translations say he begged urgently, he begged earnestly, he, he was desperate. He didn't just come, he didn't just come imploring, but he came on his knees. And we can see a lot about his heart by the way of his posture. Because being on your knees before someone means that you are really not concerned about what other people think. Um, but you are desperate for Jesus to do something. And I'm sure you've been in a situation in your life where you've ended up on your knees. Um, You didn't really care what anyone else saw about you in that moment, but you you knew that you needed to just be at Jesus' feet. And that's what this leper did. He came to his feet. He would have felt ugly, physically hideous, vile, unclean, judged, outcast, filthy, but he still came to Jesus. This leper had a little bit more faith than I think I sometimes have. He came to Jesus and he knew that he had the capability to heal him. And he actually came, he didn't say, if you can heal, he said, will you heal? He, he, he was fully convinced that Jesus could if he wanted to. But he was questioning the heart of would Jesus want to. Is, is he willing? I know he can, but, but will you? And I think that speaks to sometimes in our situations, in, in our own leprosy, our own skin, the, the weakness, the shame, the thing that uh, holds us back, the thing that excludes us, that pushes us away from people and, and pushes, pushes us into our isolation. It's the same with that, I think, sometimes. When we, we know that God could, because we sing great songs of faith, that he is raised from death to life and that he opens blind eyes and sets captives free and we, we might preach about it, we might run lit, like life groups or small groups about it, we read the word and we see it in there and we, we, we might even pray for other people in, that, in the faith that we might see them healed. But when it comes to our own life, sometimes we know that God can do it, but we don't know if he'll do it for us. And that was this leper's question. When we've got nothing left, this guy would have been isolated and alone and not had much left. When we've got nothing left, is Jesus your first option? He wants to be our only option. 
the whole gospel of Mark is a, a, is a gospel that looks at the type of king that Jesus will be. So Mark's writing this very quick account. It's like lightning speed. And he's trying to demonstrate who this coming Messiah that they anticipated would look like and the type of kingship he would have while he was walking on the earth. And so when we're looking at a story in Mark, we always need to ask that question, what is it showing about the kingship of Jesus? Like, Who is this king? What is in his nature? What's in his character? What does it reveal about God and his kingdom? And so in this story, the second thing out of this story is that we get to see a little bit more of this kingship of our Jesus. Jesus' response to the leper, to this guy that's now on his knees begging, is this. He's moved. He's moved. He's filled with compassion for this guy. He's not distant and aloof, but he's actually moved. Do you know that Jesus is moved by your situation? He's not distant to it. He actually weeps with you and actually is moved by what you're going through. He stretches out his hand. And I love that about Jesus, that he's not distant to us, but he actually reaches out his hand. And that's just a symbol of what he did with his life. Our God stretching out his life from coming from heaven to being on earth, not to be distant from us, but to just demonstrate how close he wanted to be with us in order to be near and be in relationship with us. And so Jesus in this moment stretches out his hand towards us. I don't know about for you, but in those moments of feeling shame or feeling away from God or feeling excluded because of whatever weakness we're carrying, sometimes it's hard to understand that Jesus is actually reaching towards us, not turning his back on us. He's actually stretching in our direction. And then he does a really profound thing in an Israelite setting. He touches the guy. He touches the leper. Now, Israelite society, right? They, you could not, if you touched something that was unclean, you became unclean. The, the, the rituals around cleanliness were so intense for Israelites. And so Jesus in this moment is touching the most unclean thing you can touch. The, the only more unclean thing would be if he had touched a dead body. And he touched this guy. And so Jesus in that moment is saying, I'm willing to touch the unclean which everyone around him would have been going, what are you doing? Not only physically will you be catching the leprosy because skin contact and and catching this very contagious disease, but you're actually like uh, spiritually going to be unclean because you've touched him. You're doing opposite to what the Israelite law says. And so in this moment, this leper who is unclean, and should make Jesus unclean also, is actually healed. Because the cleanliness, the purity, the restoration that's available in Jesus overcomes the disease that is in this man. And so where Jesus should have become unclean, he actually cleansed another. As he 
took our sin and our shame upon the cross. He took our disease as well. He took off everything that would restrict us onto himself. And he conquered death. He conquered death. And he demonstrates that in this moment with this leper, where his very life, the presence of God within him, conquers sickness. It's amazing. It's this picture of Jesus reaching out of the gospel in this moment, this touch. I love that, that only one touch from our King Jesus, one word from him, one sense of his presence, one scripture that is illuminated, one touch from our God can actually radically affect us, can strip away the thing that is infecting us and cleanse us and make us whole. That's our Jesus. He became unclean for us so that we might be clean ourselves. The third thing I want to pull out of this story is, is this question that, that the leper asks Jesus and, and then Jesus' response to it. He asks, God, if you're willing, will you heal me? Because he knows he can heal, but he's not sure if he will. And Jesus responds to him. What does he say? I'm willing. I am willing. I will. I will heal you. And then he does it. I find this exchange and this question quite remarkable because it, it really causes me to affect my prayers when it comes to God's will. And this text you can use as a bit of a proof text for what God's will is really on about. <laughs> you can give a great example of what he really wants. Because Jesus says, I'm willing. But Jesus has always said, I am willing. Because his whole purpose is to restore people, to bring wholeness to them, to set them free, to bring them into relationship with God. Restoration is at the core of his heart. And healing is just one part of the full picture of wholeness and fullness that God wants to bring us. Because he wants to bring us life and life to the full. And so God has always been willing. He always wills to heal. He always is willing. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, his will, his desire is healing. Always. Always, always, always. He wills to heal. He wants to heal because it's his will to heal us. Jesus always says, I am willing. He's capable and he's also willing all the time. So what do we do with the concept of when we ask the Lord to heal, but he hasn't yet? If it's not a question of his will, because he's always willing... We've just heard Jesus say, I am willing, and he always has said, I am willing throughout the ages. What do we do when we uh, don't see the Lord heal someone? We, I mean, we've all gone through horrific seasons in our life. We've gone through experiences, or we will at some point, because that's the nature of sin that's affected the world, but, and, and its effect on people and decisions and all of that. 
what do we do with that? Well, and I think that some, sometimes that that's actually damaged our perception on the will and the desire of God. Because his desire and will has always been to heal. But for some reason we project um, our seeing that, that sometimes when we pray for healing or we pray for someone to be set free, that it, they're still in captivity or the situation hasn't changed. And we project that experience back onto God's nature and we say, maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he really do, he wasn't willing. Maybe he doesn't want it right now because we're convinced of God's sovereignty. So we're not really sure how to, to wrestle these two things out. But God is always willing. So what do we do with it? Well, I want to suggest to you that it's actually just about timing. Because God can heal right now in an instant. One touch from him and bam, a deaf ear can open. Not only that, but someone can receive understanding of a language that they haven't learnt. He can do it in one instant, bam. Or he can do it progressively over days, over weeks, over months where there's gradual um, restoration that happens as different people come and pray and stand alongside that person. And I'm sure you've seen people be restored over time. But then there's also this moment in history when God is going to come and Jesus is coming on the cloud and he's coming and he's coming back and he's taking full authority over heaven and earth because he's got all authority in heaven and he's going to take authority over the earth and Satan gets kicked out and his day is done. He doesn't have any power anymore. All sickness, all disease, everything broken is getting mended. It's all getting restored into wholeness and fullness. And on that day, everything is healed, 100%. There is no disease. And so throughout that entire progression, whether it's right now in an instant, whether it's progressively, or whether it's at the fullness of the day when Jesus comes in, in full glory and takes full authority over the heavens and the earth, he still wills to heal. So, what does that mean for us? Well, it means, really practically, we need to change our prayers. I hear, and I sometimes have prayed it myself, where I say, when I'm praying for um, a situation, I pray, God, if it's your will, if it's your will, would you do this? God, if it's your will... But when Jesus gave us the instruction on how to pray the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. He's not asking us to question his will. What is the will? He's just asking that his will is accomplished, that it comes because his will is good all the time. And we sing songs at Christmas about his good will. And so we can trust that it's good all the time, always, and he's willing all the time. And the beauty is it takes the pressure off us to discern God's will. Because we can rest knowing that his will is always good and perfect and for his people. It is always for wholeness. It is always for restoration. The question we have is, God, is it now? We can't do anything about the timing though. We just get to pray and ask that the, the day would be hastened, that his will would be accomplished. God, I don't want to wait for your will to be accomplished when you come on that day in the future, Lord. I want you, Lord, bring your will now. Let your will come into earth now. 
that your will be done now. Hasten your will. Hasten your will. Not if it's your will, but God, hasten your will, which is restoration and healing and freedom, setting the captives free. And this should change our prayers. Wholeness is what he came to achieve. He can, he will, he always does. He's always done that. And, and I believe as the church, we need to start enjoying his will and asking that his will be accomplished now. Hasten it, Lord. Hasten it. I pray that your, your prayers are affected by that as you pray into situations with the people that you're, you're walking with um, through life. See, the thing about this little exchange at the end of the story of the leper and, and Jesus is that Jesus says, go and do all of the ritual cleaning that is required of the law and present yourself. And then we have the leper who's really naughty and he just doesn't do it. And um, it is really naughty. But the question you go, why did Jesus want him to go and go and do this, this, this the, go do the cleansing and go present himself to the priests? And it's a really important thing to understand because sometimes when we look at the Old Testament, we think that there's a different God in the Old Testament from the one in the New Testament. He seems like really lovely and kind and grace-filled and, and um, awesome because we see him in the face of Jesus in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, we go, oh, gosh, I'm glad. Praise the Lord I'm, like, living in these days <laughs> uh, because, like, if I had mold in my house and, like, I've had mold in my house, there's, like, things I need to do, not just in terms of get the exit mold out, but there's actually, like, spiritual ritual cleansing that I need to do to my house. Like, there's all these laws around mold. There's all these laws around if you had a fungus on your hand or you're actually excluded. Um, as a woman, I'd be excluded particular times of the month because I couldn't be in the house of God. And I'm so glad that I can be in Jesus' presence all the time. But because of this Old Testament, all these, these laws, we think, we think that it's a different God. We think that he's kind of maybe a little bit angry and a bit more religious and a bit more... Um, strict with us does anyone sometimes think that yeah and and so there's a really powerful exchange that happens here with Jesus so the reason why he's sending this guy to go and do the law from the old testament is because Jesus didn't come to abolish the law when Jesus came he didn't say see you later Leviticus (laughs) he came and he said I haven't come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill the law, the nature, the heart of the law. So when we look back, if Jesus is saying that, and that's what our God has declared about his law, the law is good, it builds us up, it gives us a foundation, it sets us on the right path, it's a lamp unto our feet, all of these things. If the law is really good, then why does it feel sometimes a bit funky and like a bit religious? And... In this moment, Jesus says, go back and cleanse yourself and then present yourself to the priest. Why? Because the law is good. And you know what? The the original intention of the law regarding leprosy was actually meant to accomplish wholeness. It's actually meant to restore him. So the, the leprosy was highly contagious. God's heart for his community was that they'd be whole. And so the one that was contagious needed to be removed, isolated for a time, 
so they could be healed. They'd be tended to. Their wounds would be restored. And so that the whole body wouldn't all get leprosy, right? Because God loves his family. And so the heart of the law was grace. The heart of the law is grace. God wants restoration and healing. But sometimes, who knows if you, you start putting up laws and rules, we start to, we, what started with the great idea to protect and to shepherd and to love people sometimes ends up being very restrictive. Has anyone been in a family where you had like rules around uh, screen time? <laughs> the heart of it was, kids, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to like enjoy your company and we can have a conversation and we can maybe eat dinner together and maybe you're not distracted and wondering how many likes you've got. And the, the heart of the law is to build relationship. But who knows that that, can, that law can become quite frustrated and legalistic when uh, it's not being done. <laughs> Put the screen away. You will come to the table without the device. Put the device over there. I'm taking the device away from you for a week. Is it just me? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, and, and so, uh, you know, the law can be shifted into a different, more legalistic way. And you know what? The The law of God is good. It's full of God's grace and his mercy. And so Jesus in this story is saying, it was meant for good. And I I sense Jesus' apology um, to the law in that moment when he sends him off to go to the priests and to be washed and cleansed. Because he's saying, you know, go and do it. I'm acknowledging that it is good. It's meant for restoration. So there's a challenge in there to not let the laws, the, the, the boundaries, the, the things that we use to guide our community, um, to shepherd our community, to not let them become so... We need them. We need them to protect people, but to always uphold the heart of them, which is wholeness and grace and mercy towards people. doesn't mean you ditch the laws. doesn't mean you ditch the boundaries, but we... We might need to return to the heart of what they were created for. And the last thing to finish up. Are you okay? Awesome. The last thing is that um, I just love that there's a transformation that happens. And now Jesus is one of transformation. Every time he interacts with, with someone, um, he transforms their life. And they go from something that was uh, isolated and alone to something that's quite expansive and affects other people. It's like this leper um, wasn't just... It wasn't just about the leprosy. It was about his entire life being radically transformed and affecting other people. Not just what he went for, but what Jesus saw in his abilities. Um, and, and our God is doing that over and over and over again. Sometimes I forget it, but it's written all throughout the arc of Scripture. He just constantly finds someone that is weak and unexpected and builds them up, transforms them by his power, not because they're awesome, but just by his transformative power and moves them into someone who actually can affect many people for God's glory. He changes this man from having very contagious skin, which means that he'd be isolated and alone, 
to being someone who is still contagious, but just in a different way. His skin became healed, but the, the journey that he'd gone through by having that skin unhealed and it being transformed created a contagious story within him. He went from contagious skin to a contagious story. And so instead of obeying Jesus, not recommended, um, instead of like to disobey Jesus, but he, instead of doing that, he just couldn't help himself and he had to share his story. Now, if you remember how I described him at the beginning, this guy has been excluded from society. He was filled with shame. He was so isolated and alone. He would have felt terrible about his appearance. He would have felt, and, and think of all the people that would have treated him so horribly because of what he was experiencing. He would have felt so alone. So many friendships and relationships would have been wounded by his experience. And yet, this guy, by being healed by Jesus, had been transformed so much that instead of living isolated and alone, could live expansively would actually have the courage to go and talk to other people and impact them. I don't know if you've watched someone be transformed by Jesus going from introversion to extroversion, but I'm one of those people, believe it or not. I was the shyest of shy, and I would not say a peep. I would sit up the back of church, and I, like, I just, if someone looked at me, I'd look away, and... When Jesus gets into our life, we can't help but overflow and be changed. So the fact that I love speaking to people and sharing my passion for Jesus is because of the work of Jesus within me. I'm not saying that introverts need to become extroverts all the time because I'm still an introvert. But, <laughs> but when Jesus affects us, we're transformed to affecting other people. And you know why that's important? Why him transforming our weakness into strength is important? Well, yes, he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be living a full and, and, and full of life life. Um, he, he just is so excited about that for you. Um, not only that, but he actually really wants to minister to all the people that aren't in the room right now. He loves you so much, but oh, he just really can't wait for you to impact the people that aren't here right now. Because you know what? They are the lepers of our society. The ones that aren't here. Where Yes, we're all lepers, but the, the real ones, the ones that are desperate for a touch from God, are the ones that aren't even here. They're our drunken mates. They're the ones that don't even know what they're doing with their life. They're the ones that cry on their pillow at night. They're the ones that are wondering how to even parent their kids. And, and you know, I don't even know how you parent kids without Jesus because it's hard, <laughs> really hard. And, and they don't know what they're doing with their land. They don't, know, they don't know how to walk through a season where there isn't rain. They don't know how to do that because they have no hope. And Jesus really, really wants to meet with them. So my question for you is, is... Has your contagious skin in your life, has it been transformed to a story yet? Do you feel like you can boast in it yet? That weakness, that, the thing that causes you shame, 
Can you boast in it yet? Can you be proud of it yet? Because Jesus has transformed it. If you're the same you are today as you were last year, we're doing it wrong if that's the case. We're doing following Jesus wrong because he's constantly transforming us. They're constantly transforming us. For me, I went through a, and I promise I'm wrapping up. I, um, two years ago, I, I went through the most horrifically dark season and where kind of like this leper which is why I I like this guy this guy didn't do anything wrong he just had leprosy it wasn't the sin of his parents it wasn't a decision he'd made it was just that he had leprosy and two years ago I I experienced a a really dark season where my church my, my ministry what I felt like my call was all ripped away and my family all in one go like that and it was a really dark season and in that moment, at the, I felt like the leprous guy, the isolated one, the alone one. And in that place, at the bottom of the deep dark hole that I found myself in, I knew that Jesus keeps finding us there anyway, even when everything gets stripped away from us, all the things we loved and valued, all of the support networks. And uh, I really enjoyed that in that season... I mean, I can talk about enjoyment in that season now. I really enjoyed the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the kindness of the Father. And one of the things I really loved in that season was that Jesus wasn't asking me to get up off the floor. He just passed me the tissue box. He wasn't asking anything from me. Um, He just was there to support me and, and walk me through it. Um, and demonstrate that he was present in the darkest of times. And out of that season, I I felt like the leprous guy, ashamed, isolated, alone. Um, And God transformed something in me. He broke off me the fear of man. He broke off this, this concern about what other people think about me. He, he demonstrated that, even though I have, have a lack of confidence now because of everything going away and getting stripped away, that now I feel like my purpose in life is actually to give confidence to other people. So now when I hear someone that's even slightly close to what I was experiencing, I just want to pump them full of the confidence of Jesus that they might feel empowered and ready to go for it, that they might pursue the vision of God that's in their heart. And it was so funny because all of a sudden when I was like applying for jobs and things, I became really hireable. Like just a fun benefit because, you know, as soon as you start identifying what your weaknesses are, you're actually, you become a lot more confident and people are like, wow, I don't have to wait and see what your weakness is. You've just told me what it is. Great. Let's go for it. Which is a fun, fun, fun byproduct. But you know what? I've seen the Lord actually really minister to people through it. I previously had no concept of what it would be like to have anxiety. I'd never, I just thought as a young, enthusiastic person, just listen to more worship music, just read your Bible daily. Um, You need to get in the Word more. You need to be in the body of Christ more. You need to be in a small group more. You need to um, declare more promises over your life. You need to just get the mind game right. You need to listen to the right stuff, get around the right people, um, be encouraged 
be enthusiastic, go maybe go for a run a bit more. You can get, get a bit more fitness into your life, get your health right, and then you'll be fine. What's the deal? Well, there's a deal. <laughs> People that suffer anxiety cannot wade out of that storm. And, and I only experienced that in a, in a small degree. But the Lord transformed my perspective of what that feels like to be in that place. And so now I don't try and get on my high horse and tell people that they need to go do more. I try to be a little bit more like Jesus and pass a tissue box and not ask more of them and, and, and know and believe that God can heal our minds. And don't hear me wrong. Don't, I'm not saying that you don't do Bible study and come to church. and All, all those things are amazing um, and they build a foundation but some things only Jesus can really fix and heal. So what do we do with this to wrap up? Um, he's good. We need to change our prayers. He's good all the time. He's always willing. Would you change your prayers to not, if it's your will, but God, I know this is your will. I know your will is good for healing and restoration. Hasten your will today. Would you approach Jesus first? Would you come on your knees to him? Come in desperation and stop trying to fix things in your own strength, but just ask him to stretch out his hand because he's already getting his arm out, reaching towards you anyway. And has your weakness trapped you or has it become a story? Can you boast and say, I am contagious? Oh, boy, that leprous skin... That was flaky and gross and pussy and yuck. I'm so contagious. But he transformed it and I'm loving it. Like how good is this? I'm a contagious person. I have this weakness. I had this weakness and he transformed it. I have this thorn in my flesh, Paul says. I have this, but I, so I boast all the more in, in the power of God working in me that I can work through it and I still have his power in me. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I I thank you that the invitation to you is wide, wide open. And you have always been concerned about bringing us fullness. It's your will, Lord God. And God, I just pray in this moment right now, with whatever weakness or whatever hidden thing or whatever um, shame or whatever disease or circumstance in our lives or relationship that needs mending, that God, right now, in our hearts, we'd, we'd know that, God, it's your will. It's your will to restore. It actually is your nature to restore. And we ask that right now you would hasten your will in our lives. Hasten your will of restoration. Hasten the day of the fullness of your kingdom in our lives, in our families, around us. Come Holy Spirit right now. Hasten your will in us. I thank you just one touch from you, Jesus, can transform everything.
And God, we pray for the ones that haven't been touched by Jesus yet. God, would you transform us so we could reach them, God, that we might boast in the weakness. We pray for the ones in the streets, the farmers that are are waiting for rain, Lord God, that are affected by this drought. We pray for the ones down at the motel, stumbling home, that they, they don't know what they're doing with their life, Lord God. The kids hanging out at the skate park, for the anxiety and depression that so many of our Aussies around our nation are experiencing. God, we pray for those ones. And because we know, God, you're transforming us so that you can transform them. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd like you to become a part of the Aspaptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.